What's up, NBA fans? We are third, more or less, through the NBA season, the shortened NBA season. And it's we've got an interesting season, a lot of COVID absences, of course, but we also have a lot of teams making great strides and coming back. Teams that we thought were out and teams that we thought were in are falling off the radar, namely in the in the Western Conference. We have the Kings in the OKC, OKC Thunder making swings back into uh, re- relevance. But you know, to start the podcast off, we gotta give a sh- I gotta give a shout out to De'Aaron Fox. The Western Conference player of this week. Sacramento Kings are 4-0 this week. They're not quite the bit, uh, teams on a, are one of our hot teams, but 4-0 is good enough to deserve a shout-out at the start of the podcast. This dude averaged 31 points, 8 assists, and on 65% shooting this week and 37% shooting from 3. So, Sean, I know you're stoked about De'Aaron Fox. You have him on your <laughs> fantasy team. But I got to ask you this. When was the last time a Kings player won player of the week? Mm, yeah, well, you're, you're correct on, on me being very stoked on De'Aaron Fox. Really showing his potential. That's, that's what I drafted him for. The last time a player on the Kings won Western Conference player of the week, I have to imagine it's been a pretty long time. And my instinct tells me that this player has to be DeMarcus Cousins. Okay, so it's, def- and, it's definitely DeMarcus Cousins. Okay. And when it was, I'll say 2013. Whoa, that's a little too far back, but oh, I guess okay. I could see that. I could see it. I could see it. I mean, DeMarcus Cousins still put together some good performances before that. It was actually in 2017 mm-hmm. DeMarcus Cousins was the, oh, okay. was, is the last time a Kings player won yeah. player was, of the week. Yeah, I was going for the real crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I didn't give DeMarcus enough credit. That's my bad. <laughs> yeah. The funny thing about that, though, is that DeMarcus Cousins won player of the week and then three weeks later was traded to the New Orleans Pelicans. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Well, they got the most trade value they could have out of him, and then I guess at that point, but uh, I think that really only um, really amounted to Buddy Heald, so not, yeah. not looking that great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the Kings are at 500. The Pacific Division is looking stacked. The entire Western Conference from top basically all the way up until the 14th spies are teams all within one or two games of reaching 500 or f- putting themselves in position for the eighth seed. Heck, heck of a competition. Uh, so in this week's, this week's podcast, course we'll be talking about the hot teams some of those are western conference teams sinking teams our best performances of the week big deal and forgetful but first we got to start off with kevin durant sean Mm. what the hell it happened with kevin durant here with the nets a team who also struggled this week uh, up until this big win they got it over indiana but kevin the absence of kevin durant seems to have a lot to do with that yeah, that was just a really weird situation because I remember we were in our in our fantasy group chat talking about Kevin Durant before the game and how they're like, oh, it looks like he's out for health and safety protocols again. Like, that's just ridiculous. But then the game went for like, gosh, not even like four minutes, I want to say. And then I see Kevin Durant like coming onto the bench and then he comes to check in. And they're like, well, I guess he's okay now. That's really weird. I didn't yeah. think a guy that was out for COVID protocols was allowed to come into a game. I've never seen that before. Like, they've took, taken guys out of games mid-game, but they've never put guys in mid-game. 
and then they had to take him out again in the third quarter <laughs> when the Nets were winning, and then they ultimately ended up losing the game, which probably yeah. frustrated Kevin Durant more than anything. But now he has to be away from the team again. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I, all I can think is that this is the highest profile player that has had to be out for COVID protocol. Uh, I don't know if you can think of another one. Like LeBron hasn't been out. Giannis, Steph Curry, um, James Harden even. I, I don't think any yeah. of these guys have had to sit out for COVID. Durant's had to do it already once this year. This is the second time. And I think the NBA was trying to bend the rules a little bit for him, honestly. Or at least the Nets were. But then I guess they thought better of it and were like, oh, no, this is wrong. We need to shut it down. And it just goes to show there's there's a lot of messiness going on with the process that's going on with, with how the NBA handles these protocols, which is a complete 180 from what we saw in the bubble. Like, every, they just seem to have everything under lockdown. and Everything was so under control. And it has gotten better. But it did take a while to get here. But this this is definitely the biggest debacle that they've had so far, in my opinion. Yeah, and it shows complete disorganization. And obviously, it also if luckily Kevin Durant has not tested positive, even even through this whole time, he's taken yeah. three tests, and all of them have uh, resulted in in a negative test. So right now, it's basically just for precautionary reasons to be holding him back, but. I mean, if he did had tested positive, what would have been one player held back to avoid spread? All of a sudden, because he played in that first quarter, the entire most of the Nets players probably have it. Uh, most of the, the the team they were playing against has it. The staff and whatnot. So it was just a silly mistake that could have had a huge consequence, ripple effect for both of these teams. But luckily, that didn't happen. But the NBA's point of view is what in, what happened was. Kevin Durant was in a vehicle with uh, a Nets employee who who ended up testing positive, who first tested, whose first test was inconclusive, and that's what they say kind of gave them the the positive feeling to allow him to play. And then the second test that this staff member got came came out positive, and that's what definitively gave the league the signal, I guess, or confidence to to pull Kevin Durant from that game. But that, of course, doesn't really <laughs> um, cool things down. Like, if you weren't, yeah. if you were feeling a slight, a slight, um, if you weren't feeling confident that he was, uh, you know, fully healthy or was going to test positive, then he just should not have suited up. And it seems like that's, that's what has been the rule. But for some reason, with Kevin Durant, there was some gray area, either because of the league or because of the Nets. Who knows, but it just was not a good look. Right, yeah, and we are a significant portion into the season right now. Like, over a third, like, this kind of flew by. But now yeah. the, all these wins really do matter. Like, early in the season, sure, like, Kevin Durant missed time. That's okay. Like, we still have most of the season left. We can still gel the team. Like, this is a team that's still trying to figure out how their big three works together. And so far, it doesn't seem like they've really figured that out. They have been 4-1 and one in those games where all three have played, but it's not been pretty at all. Um, and they've, they've lost some big ones um, where they've, they've given up a lot of points over the last few weeks. So they are probably very upset that Kevin Durant was kind of teased in front of them. Like, oh, you want Kevin Durant? You want, I want Kevin Durant? Too bad. You can't have him. He's on seven-day quarantine now. 
and I think that's something that Kyrie Irving really expressed as his frustrations with not being able to play with his new teammate. Um, it, it sucks. I mean, that's, we expected there to be a lot of chaos this year, and um, this, is, this just happens to be the team that gets the big brunt of it right now. Yeah, I think the frustrating is just like the lack of – I mean, this situation just showed a lack of commitment from the league, like whether or not they're committing 100% to their rules or, or they're not. And in this case – they were tiptoeing. They didn't commit. Like if there was, if there was a feeling that Kevin Durant wasn't up to up to par, then just hold them out that game until you can confirm the negative tests. Uh, instead, instead you kind of you threw them out there and put other players and other teams at risk because you know somebody either on the net side or the NBA side didn't fully commit to holding holding players to the safety protocols, and I think that's what's frustrating. To James Harden and Kyrie, especially once you're in the flow of games, you're you're not sure whether you're getting you know a guy who's your main offensive weapon and a key part to your team. And then again, it shows like when these things happen, like and somebody has to go through safety protocols and go through a seven day quarantine, like it, it's a slight it's a slight game changer at least for the, for that week. Like the Nets have dropped three in a row and had to really muster out a gritty win today against the, against the Pacers, but could have easily been four. Um, mm-hmm. so that's a hit to a team that, you know, that wants to try to f- secure home court advantage when it comes to playoff time. Yeah, totally. But I mean, do I really feel that bad for the Nets? Like not really at the end of the day, because mm-hmm. I hate super teams, but yeah, yeah I, I mean, it, it is annoying and I do hope the NBA figures it out because obviously money is the driving factor here. Like they want Kevin Durant out there because it, it increases viewer ratings. It's just like why they have the all-star game going on. Yeah. I think the players just, or at least even I just as a fan would just want, you know, commitment from the NBA and just clarity on where they stand on these rules and when, when a player should be held out due to safety protocols and for how long is, you know, and give, don't give just an arbitrary number, but you know, a number that makes sense and that's fair enough. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, but moving on from this, we got Mark Cuban, the owner, the most outspoken guy, you know, says some good things, says some controversial things, and also does some controversial things. Like the national anthem, the Dallas Mavericks apparently uh, decided to not play it anymore before games. And to me personally, I mean, I don't see the big deal here. Like there aren't many fans in the game. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, there's, there's, I mean, if you stopped, you know, showing highlights on the jumbotron like i mean who the heck cares you know but i guess i get but i understand the you know this the symbolism behind it and obviously also the political spins that can be made about this mark cuban is a pretty outspoken liberal guy so i could definitely see there are some tv personalities out there that you know are looking for a story and and, yeah. and and that did become a story. And now we're at a point where the NBA released a statement and, you know, reinforcing the rule that all teams will continue to play the national anthem and players should stand for it. And I think Mark Cuban is going back on his decision. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's your opinion of this, Alan? Like, do you think that this, like, I, obviously it, it's a political statement in a way. It's more of like a, oh, a cultural statement. Um for, for and I think for Mark Cuban, I think he wants to be that sort of guy to, that's like the driver. And uh, obviously, we know that the NBA is all about as much equality as possible amongst all different cultures. 
Um, and this seems like it would be in line with something they do if it did make people feel uncomfortable. Do you feel like the national anthem needs to be played at games? Like, is this something that should be required or should even like, should we even be fighting it? I don't, I, I'm not sure if it's a battle worth fighting. It's what I'm, what I keep going back. Uh, I mean, yeah. does it need to be played? I mean, you could say no. I mean, there's a lot of teams, a lot of, you know, major leagues across the world that don't do this. This isn't a custom in a lot of European countries. Uh, I mean, there's that's one thing that people mention when they come to America. It's like, wow, it's crazy that you guys play the national anthem, you know, before professional games (laughs) and even little league games. But it's just something that's done. Uh, I'd say it's it's more cultural. And and but I do think like. Especially in this day and age, it seems like there are people that are putting a political spin on it, like making it seem like it's anti-American or, uh, you know, it's it, the liberal side thinks that the national anthem is bad and the conservative side thinks it's good. When I don't think that's really, really the, the story there. I think the story is just, you know, I, I don't know. To me, it's it's just something that happens in America before games. And I don't see it as a good or, or bad. It's just something that is just tradition. Yeah, and the Ma- I mean, from the Mavs' perspective, they have a lot of foreign players, right? Like, that's where this yeah. is really coming from. Like, Doncic, Bobin, Porzingis, like, they have a lot of foreign players. Like, Maxi Kleba, like, National Anthem doesn't really mean anything to these guys, but I think it's like, at the end of the day, it's like, if, all the, M- if the NBA says, hey, you play the National Anthem because we're in America... And that's what we do in front of sporting events. Like, fine. It's like, cool. Like, I have, I'm in America. I have a job in America that pays me a bunch of money. Like, is this offensive? I've never seen the national anthem as offensive, but maybe that's just me being ignorant. Uh, I, I, yeah. Like, like you said, I don't think it's a battle worth fighting. Like, there's definitely other things that are probably worth fighting for more. Yeah. The only, the only sliver here I could see of Mark Cuban's perspective is again, is that, I feel like part of the experience is for the fans, right? For the people who go watch the game, yeah. you know, the, the national anthem is just part of the experience, you know, the same way that you get the halftime show or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I just think it, it is just part of the American sports watching tradition. So considering that there's really like no fans going to games, like <laughs> I could see that yeah. being the, t- the angle you take where it's like, Hey, well, we don't have fans out here. Like, we don't do we have to play the national anthem you know like do we have to do we have to have right. the cheerleaders come out during time <laughs> right yeah the mascot coming out on a trampoline dunking the basketball yeah yeah maybe, maybe you still keep that one yeah, but yeah i, I can see that it's funny. But... <laughs> it's funny do you did you ever have to like uh for elementary school i remember we had to do the pledge of allegiance every day did you have to do that for your elementary school yeah i had to do i did that every day and Never yeah. really thought much of it. Until... Yeah, really, yeah, but like, yeah, you don't you care. You're a kid, but like, when did you? When did like that tradition stop? Because for me, I can't remember if we did that in high school, but we definitely did not have the pledge of allegiance in college. I know that for a <laughs> fact. So I, I don't know where the lines drawn there, but uh, I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I don't. Now that you bring that up, I'm not sure. I definitely didn't do it in college. In high school, yeah. I think we, we did it. Like they had like the morning announcements on the TV, and and I think most people just never really paid attention. I think most people right. used that time to kind of just chit chat. But yeah, yeah I, I mean, I think again, I think for me, my main point is like I feel like the national anthem is part of the 
the live sports experience in the U.S. and it's more of like a theatrical. I think I I don't know sure if that's the right word, but yeah. it's just part of the the sports watching experience. I think. <laughs> what if instead we just played the national anthem of every player's representative representative country? That's playing oh. during that game. <laughs> so oh for God. Dallas, you'd have like six national anthems. Oh, yeah. That would be like a 30-minute game intro. Just or you some, could just... just mash them all together into some like <laughs> remix or something. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure there's some DJs out there talented enough to do that. Make yeah, it actually I... sound decent. I don't know. <laughs> I would not want to be part of that. Oh. <laughs> Oh, come on. I think it'd be fun. Yeah. But moving on from there is another big, you know, controversial point here. The NBA All-Star mm-hmm. game. It's still on. The NBA is pushing this. <laughs> and it seemed very likely that it wasn't going to happen. And then out of nowhere, just uh, I think the NBA took a hard left turn and, and re- is going really all in on this. And it's happening. And we got LeBron James, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, Giannis, uh, to name a few talking about not wanting to do this thing, being pretty <laughs> upfront about it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Kawhi Leonard probably giving the most candid quote. I think it's like, it's money on the line. It's an opportunity to make more money. Just putting money over health right, right now, pretty much Kawhi Leonard after a game. Uh, so to me, it's, I, I'm totally not feeling this all-star game. I already wasn't the last couple of years. And now that this whole thing is happening and the players are pretty upfront about not caring about it, I'm definitely not going to tune in, I think. Yeah. And it's like, maybe we don't, maybe you don't need to, you know, like maybe that doesn't really matter to the league. Like as long as they air it, like there's going to be at least as many people watching this all-star game as there is for any other telecast, probably more. Like if they Mm -hmm. are going to incorporate the dunk contest, people are going to tune in for that. Like if they have the three point contest, people are going to tune in for that. Um, and yeah, like obviously what we've seen from the all-star game in the last few years, first one that with them incorporating the, the draft and then second incorporating the different scoring system actually gave us some life and it really gave the, the players motivation to actually try and to want to actually win the game. Uh, but if they're going to go back to the same motivation that they had in previous all-star games where it's just an alley-oop fest and there's... No defense and the scores two hundred to one hundred ninety six, <laughs> then yeah, you'll probably just get what you got back then, which still might be worth it for money standpoint. But yeah, for the average fan, it's gonna be pretty pretty lame. Yeah, I guess to close this little blurb, some numbers: the league is obviously on route to be missing at least forty percent of their annual revenue that they drive from direct directly from fans attending games and merchandise, etc. And uh, last year's All-Star Game generated around $15 million for the NBA and its network partners, specifically TNT. So there is money to be made on the All-Star Weekend. And $15 million does not sound like that much. When you're talking about 40% of annual revenue yeah. being lost, how much of that 40% is $15 million? It's probably not even a percent. Yeah, it's probably tiny, but it just goes to show like the NBA is, you know, they're looking below the couch for some extra pennies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, scrapping the bottom of the barrel, man. Yeah, they, they are know, scrapping. Risking, risking all of that for, you're probably not going to make as much as you made last year. The ratings mm-hmm. aren't going to be as good. Maybe 10 million. Maybe. Is that worth 
like this extra risk of sending everyone to Atlanta and praying that they don't go to the strip clubs. Like, <laughs> I just don't see it. I don't see the uh, the cost benefit analysis being run here. But maybe maybe they know something that I don't. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. The only other, I guess, point here that the devil's advocate point here is like the guys who you know, a guy like Jeremy Grant or a Julius Randle, you know, who might make his first All Star game. Mm. These guys might still like want that excitement. Um, oh sure, and they have incentives in their contract to make All Star teams, right? So, I mean, there there's that part of it too. But I mean, yeah, the LeBrons and Giannis's, the guys that make it every year without trying, seemingly they they are not really going to care. They already have yeah. hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, LeBron just naps and makes All Star games. Yeah. Julius Randle's trying to get that max contract at this point, man. This this dude could probably lock one in at this point if he kept this yeah. going for the whole season. This is crazy. Who would just... give him a max? Would, would the Knicks give him a max, or would they try to oh. move on from him? Oh, the Knicks would totally give him a max. I think, you think Tom so? Thibodeau. They wouldn't be him. like, oh, Obi Toppin, Obi Toppin, see what he can oh. do. No, I think the Obi Toppin versus Randall thing is over. Obi uh, Toppin may become Randall, maybe in like three or four <laughs> years, but oh no, Randall's point forward monster right now, man. Or yeah, yeah, pow. They should. Yeah. They have the cap space to give him a max too. What? But like, is Julius Randall on the max contract? Like, is that the team you want? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, let's get Randall. Let's get Lonzo. What other? Lonzo! <laughs> <laughs> let's get Lonzo in a New York Knicks jersey. Oh no. <laughs> But let's That'd go to hilarious. Yeah, let's get a big deal and forgetful talking about the Knicks Talk right about here. The Knicks, yep. <laughs> he's no, he's no Lonzo, but he is Derrick Rose. The Pistons trading Derrick <laughs> Rose to the Lonzo. Knicks for <laughs> for Dennis Smith Jr. and a second round pick. This is interesting. I thought this was a joke, and I didn't realize that this deal did actually happen. <laughs> I didn't realize it until three days later. I was watching the Knicks game. I was like, what the hell? That, that's <laughs> Derrick Rose. <laughs> and I had to jump on Google. And, and Why did just, you think that was a joke? I don't know. I just thought it was a joke that people were and, – and it seemed like it started off as funny. You know, Tom Thibodeau was trying to get Derrick Rose to re- – and I just thought that was like yeah. the joke and it wasn't really a thing. But it's yeah. a thing. Like he's back. <laughs> he's there. And he had a pretty decent first game there. Um, and Derrick Rose might be – the playmaker that they need because Alfred Payton, I mean, he has some good games, but the, the big problem that this team has is they just don't have any great decision maker. Brando has definitely taken a step forward in that, in that, in that realm. But yeah. another guy like Derek Rose, you know, don't, we don't, they probably don't need him to score, but just put the ball in the right places, get the ball to Quigley, Randall, Burks, and RJ Barrett when he has a good shooting night. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the other thing too is like for this team, this is a super young team, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like, like Taj Gibson is like your oldest player, and all of your starters are super young. So you needed a guy like Derrick Rose to really come in and be that veteran leader. I mean, Taj Gibson's a veteran; he's not a leader. Yeah. But Derrick Rose, he's been there. He's been MVP. He's he's been on playoff teams. Like he he's seen everything. He's been through everything. So yeah. to have a guy like that in the locker room, I think is a great move for the Knicks who really, they, all they had to give up was Dennis Smith Jr. Who I'm sorry. I feel so bad for this guy. He fell into a black hole. I do not know where this guy went. I didn't even know he was still on the roster. <laughs> this is a guy that was balling out pretty good for Dallas. Once upon a time. What was that? Like three years ago now? Yeah, like, I don't even know. Looked- like this, he is a talented dude. 
Yeah, he looked like he could he could have taken the rookie of the year that that year. Like he was up there in discussions for that. Seen the Lonzo um, Deer and Fox draft? Is that is that where he's from? I Dennis think Christian? so. I'm ha- I'm having a hard time remembering the year. Yeah, he was he was like a top ten pick, top fifteen lottery lottery pick for sure. I don't know. Yeah, man, he's just not given the opportunity, or he's just not not playing well. Like he's just not earning the opportunity. I don't know what happened to this guy, but we know the talents there. He just f- fell off the map completely. Yeah, and the Knicks have have tried to run with Dennis Smith Jr. in the preseason and early on, and it just was not clicking. Uh, I mean, like again, like I think the weakest point for the Knicks is just having a solid point guard who can make the right decision. And Dennis Smith Jr. could have filled that role, but never came close to even doing that. And I think Derrick Rose bringing that vision will help a team that's you know hovering around five hundred right now is in the ninth seed, but Derrick Rose could boost give them a little slight boost to help them run with those top eight teams and maybe yeah. we may see new york here and that's why it i think does. this is a big deal to me it's a big deal yeah. getting derrick rose getting just a it, better yeah. court leader yeah i'd say it's a big deal i mean you basically traded for a guy you're gonna play for a guy you aren't gonna play yeah so i'd say yeah that's that's a net win for them i i think the veteran presence like i said before is gonna be a big factor i'm gonna be interested to see what the minute split looks like on average for Peyton quickly and Derrick Rose. That's that's three point guards you want to play all all in the same game. So I mean it's not like you're gonna take RJ Barrett out um and play two of those guys together. You're not gonna take Trey Burke out of the rotation. So there, there's quite a logjam there now. So uh, we'll see yeah. how those minutes end up panning out. Yeah, the thing is like with this team is none of those guys are so consistent that I think you might be able to get away with just rolling when they're hot <laughs> like uh, yeah that's so hard though because it's like you're gonna play alfred payton like you're gonna start the game with him give him five minutes and then you're gonna bring in derrick rose and right. then you have emmanuel quickly come in at the end of the first through this like you're just gonna keep swapping these guys out you don't get to get a rhythm or anything uh, I, I don't really know what the uh what the strategy is i, I mean that's not for me to to know it's to to find out and see how they actually play it out, but I do think it'll be interesting to see who ends up getting the short end of the stick. And my guess is going to be Alfred Payton, ultimately. Yeah, I think they. I think this team has been looking for a way out of Alfred Payton. Alfred yeah, Payton keeps finding himself in there because quickly is a talented dude. Like yeah. that guy can score. He's got the nicest floater in the league right now. <laughs> <laughs> nicer I'll than say. LeBron's. Nicer than De'Aaron's. It's just so consistent. Consistently looks exactly the same every time he goes yeah. up for it. He goes to the same spot, almost the same spots, and it looks nice. Yeah, you would know. You you you're, you got Nick's favorite on your league pass. <laughs> oh, they are my league. I remember we laughed about it, and I said it as a sarcastic joke, but it's become reality. Oh, it's real. They, oh, it's <laughs> yeah. real. I've, I've watched. Still, couple, it's still the case, though, huh? Still the case. Yeah, I'm still watching those games, but on the Bulls, the Bulls were the team that I was circling last year, and I did not circle them this year. But Larry Markinen. Having himself kind of a comeback here, but here we go again, out two to four weeks with right shoulder sprain. The story of the Chicago Bulls is, you know, again, like this is a team that has nice pieces and individual pieces and, uh, you know, Laurie Markin and Gwenda Carter Jr., Zach Levine, these guys, but they just cannot pull it together. And health seems to be one of those big reasons why Gwenda Carter Jr. is also out. Markin had already missed some time and, he came back solid, and now he's out again. Tough break here for the Bulls. Yeah, I mean, this this has always been one of those teams where you're like, man, what what if they 
actually got to play together and live up to their potential. Like Wendell Carter was looking really good too at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, neither of these guys can stay healthy. I th- I think this is a big deal, man. For Laurie Markkinen, he came the the way he came out his rookie yeah. year and just totally shocked us. We had we did not see Laurie Markkinen coming at all. Like if anything, I was gonna call him the next Adam Morrison, like just big <laughs> guy that can shoot but is never gonna live up to his potential. He did, and he just has never really been able to get back to that level. I mean, he it, he just can't stay healthy for an extended period of time. And at this point, it's like that your career is just fighting injury at this point. It's so hard to get back and be that consistent 75 to 80 game regular season player when you have your first, your honestly, your whole rookie contract barely able to make it through half the games at some point. Yeah, and this is what's crazy is a guy like Markinen, you know, right away after the first couple months of his rookie year was like, holy shit, like this is this is the guy the Bulls have been wanting to get yeah, from the post. Derek Rose pick of the draft. Yeah, yeah, like this is their guy, and he's there. He's going to get a big payday, and now he he's he hasn't been as far. He's been so far away from that. It's it's crazy. Like, and it looked like this year was like a year to kind of bring remnants of that rookie year back and secure himself a payday. But now it looks like the Bulls are really going to be scratching their heads on whether or not to you know, give Laurie Markin in the big payday. I got to think there's still some team out there that'll throw some money at him, but the big deal that he was expecting is probably not, not in his lap anymore. Yeah. I don't see it happening either. Is his contract expiring at the end of this season? Do you know? I think so. I think he's like in that same Lonzo okay. ball. Yeah. And both that Lonzo's yeah. in. Okay. Yeah. So that, I think that is a big deal. And here's the other reason is because, if they didn't have another option at power forward, I think they might think of re-signing him to a big contract. But Thaddeus Young has been mm-hmm. one of the biggest surprises, I think, of this season. When he, he's been coming off the bench for them, but he's been that point forward position that I don't think a lot of people knew he could reshape his game like that. And he's kind of had a resurgence in his career. And if I'm the Bulls, I'm like... Hell, I'm gonna roll Thaddeus Young at the power forward position. Like, what do I need Laurie Markinen for? Like, this is a veteran playmaker, does all the little things for us. We have Zach Levine to score. We don't need Markinen to do it. Like, it's time to move on. I, I think it's just, yeah, you, you've given the shot. I think it's, it's someone else's problem at this point. I'd, I'd give Thaddeus Young that bigger contract. Yeah, we'll, we'll see where it goes. And I mean, it could be that Laurie Markinen, you know, does does end up having a pretty solid NBA career, but I just don't see it happening with the Bulls. I think if it happens, it's going to happen a couple of years down the road with a new team. He should go to the Thunder. He should go to the Thunder. That's possible too. I mean, if I'm the Bulls, maybe you try to shop him around, see what you could get. Oh, uh, the and Thunder I, should try to trade Al Horford for Laurie Markkinen. That, would, that wouldn't be a bad deal for, for if this Bulls team is trying to get themselves mm-hmm. into that Eastern mm-hmm. Conference 8 seed. I oh, mean, yeah. they're there. With, I mean, Colby White and, like, again, Colby White and Zach Levine seem to be the two scoring punches. And Patrick Williams isn't doing too bad for, for a rookie. Is, he's thoroughly average. Not really <laughs> what you're expecting from the number four pick. <laughs> True. Average is good enough sometimes, though. For, yeah, but, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Still but Patrick Williams. Moving from there, man, my guy, this is my guy right here. Christian mm. Wood, man, this is my guy. He... I was so hyped People's on this guy. champion. Yeah. <laughs> and this dude has been killing it, but damn, he, he is out, uh, uh, severe ankle sprain on a sprain, he, on a, on the same ankle uh, he had already sprained before. 
I mean, this is a dude, the only dude in the NBA to be averaging over 20 points, 10 rebounds on 40% shooting from three. This is just unreal. I mean, dude. He's on his way to an all-star game. Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, and, you know, he's since he's been out, the Rockets have just not been able to get get a W. Uh, they have John Wall and Odalipo coming in and out of the lineups as well. Seeing the performance that Wood put together, I was, like, pretty sold that the Rockets were going to be able to sneak their way into those bottom seeds. But this might be it. This must have this might have been the hit that the yeah. last punch. Uh, I, uh, it, it really does hurt. Christian Wood was just that amazing story where you're just like this guy is gonna be special and then mm-hmm. he actually lives up to the expectations and you're just watching it before your eyes like where how did we not see this before like this yeah. guy can do it all <laughs> oh man it was a great story i i hope he can come back the same player um i don't know how severe it is you know how, like what type of ankle sprain is how long they're calling it they're calling it week to week so mm-hmm. i'm gonna guess it's one of those like yeah, i mean I, it's not gonna I, be I, car- uh, to me career. it's not gonna no, be career altering career. but it's just gonna be like a th- i expect three to four weeks i'm gonna say yeah which it's like yeah if he comes back for the second half of the season like i think that gives him plenty of time to get his game legs back under him like he's a young dude still relatively like he's he's on the the, the better side of 30 still so yeah <laughs> yeah i mean yeah i hope you can come back man like ah this hurts i mean it almost hurts as much as this next guy paul george yeah pg-13 uh, man this i'm gonna say it right now this is a big deal this is something that's been widely speculated like how severe is this injury no one really knows for sure it's foot edema which is essentially your bone swelling so he has a, a bone in his foot that's swelling up, which I don't even know how that happens. It's just, I think, liquid forms in it, and uh, I don't really know. I'm not a doctor. But <laughs> he's out indefinitely, and from the few posts that I've read on Reddit, it seems like this could be anything from a few weeks to the rest of the season. <laughs> so I literally don't have a clue. My guess is he's going to be out a few weeks. But if it ends up being more than that, I'm pretty scared for the Clippers' chances. Um, they're going to drop in the standings for sure. Um, without Paul George in there, there's only so much you can really make up. He's been having a great year. Um, if this p- takes him out for over a month, this is pretty devastating. This, this guy's having a great comeback year. Yeah, I mean, Paul, there was no pandemic P. This was playoff P. <laughs> yep. No, this podiatry P. Podiatry P. Yeah, Paul George is putting together... S- a career year basically almost for himself and just really long ways from the Paul George to hit the side of the backboard. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yikes. This just stinks, man. Like now the Clippers just are going to fall in the standings. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to lose some games without Paul George. Lou Williams struggled, uh, but maybe they can get something out of him, get something out of Reggie Jackson uh, to try to make up for those points that, that you would get from Paul George. Um, but I mean, I don't know. You you could always have the Clippers be the Boston Celtics, who were a fourth seed and somehow you know made their way through the finals. No, when we they, still they, have Kawhi. Yeah, yeah. So it's not there, impossible. There's still hope. Yeah. yeah, and Lou Williams has been playing pretty well. I'll give him that. Um, in the absence of Paul George, I think Lou Williams is just if he's not the second man on the team, he's not that good. 
Like he just has like doesn't care. But now he's like, oh, like I have a purpose. Like they need me. Okay, I'll play really well. But <laughs> Marcus Morris, Luke Kennard, you better start earning your sixteen million dollars a year. <laughs> Because, by God, why did we get you if you're not going to step up right now? Are you kidding me? Like, Luke Kennard, you're still doing your same crap with your five points and three rebounds for $16 million? Like, why? Who? I mean, good for you because you you freaking you hustled us so hard. But, <laughs> I forget. Holy crap. I forget holy about crap. the Marcus Morris and Luke Kennard uh, contract. I mean, Luke Kennard got it, what, like a week after the trade went A through? week after. It's like, what is this? He's not even playing a game for us. You're going to give this guy $16 million. You could pay Shamit half that and he'd be doing better than Luke Kennard. Look, look what he did. 12 minutes today, zero points. He didn't do anything. Why are we paying him? This is ridiculous. Marcus Morris, 3 of 12 today. Yikes. 3 of 12, 10 points, 4 rebounds. Who gives a crap? You have Nick <laughs> Batum on a veteran's minimum starting, playing 35 minutes, doing everything for us. Marcus Morris, man. God, just drop him. You know, just get him off the team at this point. Get both of them off the team. I don't want to see either of them anymore. The I don't power. care. We, we already paid him. We already paid him. It's too late. Just put it behind us. Pick up some veteran minimums. They'll do better than these guys. This is just so stupid. Yeah, this Clipper, I don't know why these guys exist. <laughs> this Clipper franchise is going to bankrupt Steve Ballmer. All these. Oh, my God. Anyway, anyways. There's a cap good... space. There's a cap space. Why did we do this? <laughs> <laughs> anyways, moving on from there, we could talk about Marcus Morris, Luke Kennard, men uh, in mar- NBA market yeah, dynamics that I'm play. <laughs> That with these contracts, but Carl Anthony yeah. Towns is back from COVID for the Minnesota Timberwolves, and this is a team that needs anything they can get. They are basically <laughs> the only Western Conference team that has a twenty that has a winning percentage below forty percent. But this is like mm-hmm. significantly lower. Like we're they're at twenty four. They've won. They're oh, they six are. six for nineteen. Twenty four percent of their games they've won, and the Thunder are ten and fourteen at forty one. Like the Timberwolves are so out of this. Like. So yeah. getting Towns back is a glimmer of hope, maybe. But at least, I mean, at the very least, you get your best player back. At least you can make up some TV revenue. Yeah, it's not a big deal. It's nice. You're putting out a product of basketball that is better than what you were doing before. But ultimately, it's forgetful because at the end of the day, like you said, Timberwolves are out of it at this point. You're not recovering from 6-19. and 19. Unless you're That's the Utah hole. Jazz and you're just like the most absurd regular season team ever. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like even now, like they, they lost to the Clippers without Paul George today. And they don't have D'Angelo Russell, who's injured right now. So it's like even with Towns back, they're not fully healthy. And I just don't think this roster construction is very good. Like I think Anthony Edwards is, is still panning out to not be that pick that you should have made. Like, obviously, you should have picked LaMelo Ball, that number one pick now, looking back <laughs> at it. But he doesn't fit in with the team. It's like you're, you're playing Malik Beasley in this in the spot that you should be playing Anthony Edwards. And, and Beasley has been very good. I've always thought Malik Beasley is a very underrated player. And if that's the case, if you wanted to roll with Malik Beasley, you shouldn't have drafted Anthony Edwards. And then you have, like, three backup centers behind Carl Anthony Towns now that were, were playing his minutes before. And I don't even know what they're gonna do. Like, I don't, like Nas Reed, like he's a great player, but like you know, between him and Jared Vanderbilt, all these random guys, like 
who are these guys? Like, I don't even know. <laughs> you have, like, these guys you drafted, like Josh Okogie, who you don't even care about anymore. Like, there's just nothing synergistic about this team at all. And Carl Anthony Towns will win them some games, but it's not going to matter at the end of the day. Yeah, and D'Angelo Russell is just struggling out there, not having a good year, getting injured. Oh, what a, this is a forgetful year, I think, for this team more than anything. Yeah. Get, get, get talking Carl. about um, lottery pick, Jared Culver. Where the heck yeah. is Jared Culver? <laughs> that's that's a good question. It's not does an alert for Jared Culver. Yeah, does he play? I mean, yeah, what is he playing? He's not even playing. I don't. Know, he might be hurt. I don't know what's, what's happening with this team, man. This is yeah. just a whole shit show. <laughs> no idea, but the Timberwolves is the lone team at 6 and 19, 24% win percentage. Like, let's just go for the number one pick next year again. Uh, I Who think is Jaden McDaniels? <laughs> Who are these guys? <laughs> no idea. This is just weird. But I, I, but, I mean, I'm getting a little tired of talking about the bad teams. Let's go to the hot teams. Yeah, teams. Teams are lighting it up. This this team's got to be here. We got to talk about the mm. Utah Jazz. Yeah. Five-game winning oh streak. Goodness. Nine and one over the last ten. Joe Ingles, <laughs> Royce O'Neal, Mike Conley, Mitchell, <laughs> Rudy Gobert, Bojan, and even Did Jordan Clarkson. Clarkson. Yep, there it is. <laughs> Throw this man out there. And these guys have been balling out. Like, Donovan Mitchell, we thought it was, you know, whether or not he's a superstar or whatever, like that's just such a silly game. It doesn't even matter. Like these, all this team is so well balanced, and each one of these guys is playing their role. They're doing this year what we thought they were going to do last year in terms of having guys just come in and fill in their role nicely, just fill in the gaps for what we saw this team missing two years ago when they made it to the second round. And last mm. year was kind of a dud. They lost that heartbreaker, but this year. Man, they they are on another one, and everybody's playing so well. Bojan again. Well, we were talking about this before starting the podcast, <laughs> yeah. but Bojan just has found his legs. I don't know if he was out of shape or what was happening, but this whole week he's just been lighting it up. Joe Ingles again, fountain of youth. To, <laughs> to play it back doesn't in his show, knees. but yeah, <laughs> yeah, his hair shows not in his basketball. Mu- yeah, his, yeah. <laughs> his hair is all but uh, gone. Yeah. The fountain of youth couldn't help that, but <laughs> yeah, it only helped his basketball abilities. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the craziest thing again for me is this is the number one three point shooting team in the league, fourth best offense, third best defense, only team to have to be in top five in both of those categories. They got five guys shooting over forty percent from three, and Clarkson. A close six at thirty eight percent. I mean, wow! What what a what a what a what a team! What a month they've had. Yeah, I think the two big things that stand out to me. Well, I guess three now that Boyan is like really found his groove. Mike Conley's rapport with Rudy Gobert is yeah. exponentially better this year. Like, I thought what Mike Conley Mike Conley was supposed to do this last year. I thought he'd have instant rapport with Rudy Gobert, but I guess it's just a different type of big man than he had with Marcus Saul in Memphis. And mm-hmm. he just had to adjust to that, but he's adjusted really well. Like these guys, man, they, they've got their pick and roll offense down. Mike Conley looks just like the guy we saw two years ago in Memphis, still killing it. And then the other thing for me is just that Jordan Clarkson, man, mm-hmm. I am so impressed 
with Jordan Clarkson. This is the like we mentioned in our last podcast when we were giving out our, our way too early awards. He's the sixth man of the year in my mind. Still, no doubt. Yeah, no yeah, doubt. Right. I think I think we're in agreement with that, which is crazy to think about. Like this this guy's had multiple different careers at this point. Like <laughs> on the terrible Lakers, on the almost winning the finals Cavs. And now with the Utah Jazz, I mean, this is a whole different player. I mean, he's never really had this role that he's really been able to, like, this is my purpose on this team, you know? Like the, with the Lakers, like, yeah, you're a starter, but, like, for what, you know? <laughs> for, like, nothing. For a lottery team. But for the Jazz, man, like, this, he's really able to shine. He's He fits this system super well. And I, I did not give him enough credit when they gave him that extension uh, that that new contract that shiny new contract in the offseason like jordan clarkson really like you're gonna bring him back that's your big offseason acquisition but man that that's really what that was the missing piece they needed was that extra spark plug i mean he's yeah he's been exceeding expectations oh yeah i i figured it i i was i've been on the jordan clarkson fan bus you know for a while when i saw him get traded to utah i was pretty excited about it uh, and then he resigned and that, and I was like, okay, well, it's what they, it's the best they can do off the market, but I don't think it's a bad one for this Utah team. And, and he's, he's, he's filling the role and he's playing really well. And, you know, a, a small shout out to also another guy that, you know, I've been, I've been hailing his, <laughs> hailing him for a little bit is Royce O'Neal, Sean. Like, Royce <laughs> you, O'Neal. you've whatever. laughed a couple times. Whatever. I his still, name up. No. Come on, dude. He's like the seventh best player on the team. You can't give him that much credit. He is an important <laughs> seven, though. He's shooting over 40% uh, from three. He, he's the versatile <laughs> defensive th- three and wing guy, three, three and D guy that, uh, that ev- all good teams around the league are searching he's for fine. and they got him the utah <laughs> jazz fine. got him he's fine i'm not gonna i'm not gonna rave about royce o'neill like wow you got royce o'neill good for you <laughs> i mean it's just yeah, the, I, it's, think- <laughs> I think it's just like when you're a small market team the, yeah. that's what you need to get better is oh, like sure, you need sure. these random dudes that just you know just get just they themselves yeah, just, just work their they work themselves into a better player yeah yeah decent player i'll give him that what I will say, though, for the Jazz and what I think we're always worried about every year is that they are always a good regular season team. Mm-hmm. We always see them go on long streaks of regular season wins, and it's never translated to playoffs. So is this going to be the year? Is this the team, Allen, that's going to actually make a deep playoff run? Or is this still more, just more, more of the same? It's so tough. And the storylines that I keep seeing is that the Utah Jazz are going to be the 2015 Atlanta Hawks. That they're just a team mm. that is so well balanced, but don't yeah. truly have that number one superstar. And it's arguable whether Donovan Mitchell is that, but that's the point is that it's arguable. It's not confident that he's a superstar and he's not a LeBron or Kawhi. He hasn't really stepped into the top 10 player of the league realm, I think, in my eyes and in most people's yeah. eyes. But, you know, even making it to the East, even making it to a conference finals, I think would be a huge win for this franchise who hasn't been there. Or anywhere close right. to that since I don't know, fifteen years ago, I think, with Darren Williams that they get that far. I don't I don't think they ever got uh, that far either. So I'm thinking Carl Malone days. Maybe that I feel like Darren Williams, Carlos Boozer got to conference finals, but I can't remember. Yeah, so I think they could get there. They're I think in my eyes, they're almost replacing what Denver was yeah. last year. Um so they're gonna yeah, it's man. it's it's just gonna be tough, I think, for them to either take out the Lakers or, or the Clippers. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's the biggest yeah. roadblock. 
that they're going to have to go through both of those teams at some point. I mean, based on what we're seeing now, unless one of these other, I don't see any of these other West teams at this point, even challenging the LA teams outside of Utah. Um, because they're all just jostling to <laughs> make sure they don't have to play in the playing game at this point. They're all trying to stay out of that seven seed. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. Utah, man. I mean, I'd, I'm giving them their, their credit this year, though. I'll, I'll give them their credit. <laughs> I always disrespect them. This year, they're doing something special. Here, here is one thing though that I'm curious to see what happens with this team is. They had a pretty, you know, not easy January, but not the most difficult January. Sure. In February, this is going to be a tougher month for them, pretty, pretty noticeably. They got two okay. games against the Clippers. They got the Bucks. They got the 76ers. They got the Lakers. And they got a bunch of other, you know, teams that are in the middle of the playoff race, like the Pacers in there as well. So. Those this some good th- games. There's going to be some tough games here for the Utah Jazz, and if they come out of that still within you know top two, uh, then that that'll be even more impressive. So I'm curious to yeah. see what 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 they string together in February. Um, but you know, we'll see we'll see how it goes for the Jazz. But the Milwaukee Bucks here have won five of their last six. You know, <laughs> to lose did they lose tonight or did they they lost tonight and uh, yeah, Chris Paul put them to sleep at the buzzer. Ah, <laughs> uh, yikes! But I mean, yep. this is a team who's been winning in double digits, average margin of victory twenty points, leading the league in catching three catch and shoot three points three pointers at forty two percent. Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton taking a step forward in his game. Giannis still doing his thing. Uh, Drew Holiday looking good. There's a team that, that's on fire right now. Yeah, and they've even had to play those last few games without Drew Holiday, who I think is out for COVID. He yes. might actually have COVID, but they haven't really fully disclosed it. There, there was the report that one player tested positive for coronavirus um, since the last testing. Pretty sure that was Drew Holiday. But... Dante DiVincenzo stepped up pretty well for him in the interim, uh, filled into that starting role, and he's been playing solid. Um, and it has just been a, a, a win-by-committee type of thing where, I mean, Giannis and Middleton obviously are your main scorers, but the rest of these guys are stepping up, like like DiVincenzo, Bobby Portis, um, Connaughton. Like, these are all guys that are, are actually playing me- meaningful minutes and getting like solid contribution from all of these guys. And this looks more like the Bucks team we saw last season, who <laughs> at this point was probably only like two or three losses. But <laughs> this year is a little tougher. But this is starting to more resemble the Bucks team we're used to seeing in the regular season. But I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter how these go for them. I mean, it's always about the playoffs. So... Do I think this team is built better for the playoffs? I, I still don't think so. Like, yeah, I think it's just pretty much the same story. And you even have to deal with a much more powerful 76ers team now. Yeah, I'm more excited about the Utah story we just talked about than this Milwaukee yeah. story because it just <laughs> seems like it's the same thing. Yeah, and again, like last year, they, they only had like two. We were talking about, well, can this team win 70 games? Uh, right. <laughs> and now it's like, does, does it, it doesn't even really matter. They're doing exactly what we I think they can, they should be doing is winning games in the regular season and getting prepared for the playoffs. Um, but another team that we really were kind of I think writing off is the Pelicans. Uh, the Pelicans did not get off the get off to a hot start, but now they've won four of their last five. 
big wins against the Rockets, Grizzlies, Pacers, and Suns. And Zion is starting to come together. Man, this dude is just a whole nother level. It's the way he just catches and just nobody can stop this guy if he catches it. If he catches the ball within ten feet of the rim, and and they and they and they've somehow find some found a way to resurge Lonzo Ball. He's also been playing well. Brandon Ingram and Zion that dynamic looks a lot better. Uh, Steven Adams is out there doing his thing, but the Pelicans are looking looking like they're chugging along a little bit better than they did. Uh, they're in eleventh in the West, but they're a lot closer to five hundred than they were just a couple of weeks ago. Right, yeah, we were almost writing them off, like you said, but Zion is amazing offensively. <laughs> I still think he he needs to be that defensive presence too. Like he's not averaging a lot of rebounds a game right now, so you know he's just ceding those to Steve, to Stephen Adams, and. I just don't see the effort. Like it looks like he's just trying to avoid injury still. And he's an incredible player, an incredible talent. So the offense just comes to him naturally. But yeah, I think that's a big reason why they're they are still losing some of these games. But I think a big reason they're winning some of these games is actually because Alonzo Paul actually playing <laughs> like a number two overall pick should at least at base level play like i mean he's averaging like over the month of february so far 16.6 rebounds four assists just a solid lineup across the board but the big stat for me 54 percent from three what yikes how 54 percent lonzo not lamello <laughs> lonzo ball really no way he actually is doing it though isn't that crazy I mean, that's the thing. It's like this guy does get hot like that at random time. I mean, not fifty four percent. We've never we hadn't seen that, but he did come out of UCLA being a solid three point shooter, and he he does go stretches of games where he does throw up like a decent forty percent. You know, like very respectable, very you know, almost like talking elite territory. But then he'll go through these strings where it's just where it's just dire in the dire percentages, <laughs> like. And we saw that at this this for most of the beginning of this year, but yeah, the last couple of weeks it's been he's been on fire. Yeah, you want to know my hot take on Lonzo? I think he keeps this up for the rest of the season. Wow, not the fifty four percent. Yeah, but like a forty percent three point shooter. And I think the reason why is as long as Lamelo Ball continues to be successful, Lonzo's going to be th- so threatened, <laughs> and he's not going to show it because he doesn't really show any emotion on the surface. But man, I I can imagine like this dude is like my younger brother is kicking my ass right now, and he's gonna be a starter in this league. He's gonna be an all star soon. And I'm I'm what am I doing? You know, like this is the fire that I'm hoping ignites Lonzo's career again, because seeing your brother over there in Charlotte just doing his thing, almost like literally becoming the leader of the team right before our very eyes in his rookie year. Doing everything we thought Lonzo could do, yeah, for that team, like that—that's gotta eat at Lonzo a lot because we're looking at Lonzo as maybe like a very small contract player that you're trying to get on the Lakers or the Knicks next year. <laughs> I think Lonzo has loftier expectations for himself, and if he continues to play like this, he should get them, and I think he will because he's going to be fired up with Lamelo, come competitive wise, just from a brotherly standpoint. Yeah, next year he might not be the top earner in his family. You're you're right. You know, the the biggest pro- and I mean I, I I could see that definitely being a part of it. I'm sure 
as a family, he probably doesn't hear the end of it, especially with LaMelo doing the things that he does. I mean, LaMelo is going to get the rookie of the year and Lonzo's not going to get, not going to, you know, he's not going to have, he's going to have that over him. Um, but, but the other thing about Lonzo is, is the dude just needs to be consistent. Like it's these little injuries that he gets here and there that kind of totally throw him off his groove, I feel. And I think he's, he's, he's now in the last couple of weeks built up. A, a, a better a better string of consistent games but that doesn't mean it's going to stay that way I'd say like I could see him because I feel like he is this player he is a player that can get hot from outside and is a great decision maker we already know that a great defender but I think if he can't if he can't stay consistent in terms of health then I think he's going to hit another dry patch where he's going to miss a, you know six games and he comes back and it's going to be rough for him um, so as long as he can stay healthy, I, I could see him staying consistent and hopefully out-earning his brother next year. <laughs> <laughs> it shouldn't be hard, right? All you got to do is make $10 million. That's all you got to do. <laughs> Easier yeah. said than done, I guess, for Lonzo. Yeah, exactly. Um, but sinking teams, this is a team that I actually didn't really notice that they, were, that they had been going mm-hmm. through this, but the Pacers' four-game losing streak – I mean, ever since that, that I feel like that trade <laughs> losing Odalipo yeah. might have actually had an impact <laughs> on this Pacer team. Uh, yeah. But Brogdon cooling off, and no Victor Odalipo here to step in and and help fill in that 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 guard depth for the Indiana Pacers. Yeah, this is a pretty worrying trend we're seeing from Indiana. Mm-hmm. They got off to a hot start. We were raving about Sabonis, and he's still having amazing games. But outside of him, Brogdon, man, like you mentioned, he's only been averaging 16 points a game over the last, over the losing streak, essentially, through the month of February. And his three point shooting, 23%. <laughs> this is a guy that has been a 50, 40, 90 guy. He's averaged 40% from three in his career. He's averaging 23% this month so far. Obviously, small sample size, like five games. But still, like that is very uncharacteristic for this man. That's going to lose you a lot of games. You don't really have a lot of depth after that because, I mean, you were counting on Levert coming in and just being the new Odalipo. He's going to be out maybe the rest of the season. And so who's going to replace him? Doug McDermott? Not really doing that much. I mean, Miles Turner, he, he's there. He's, he's playing great defense. He's not going to provide the offensive punch. And then what well, you got TJ McConnell coming off the bench and he's, 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 I mean, you love TJ McConnell. I know that, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like, oh, we're, but he's we're not no seeing offensive it punch. To any wind shares. No. <laughs> yeah. He is no offensive so, punch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got Jeremy lamb come back from injury, but I mean, he's, he's, he started off pretty hot, but he's kind of normalized into what we expect him to be just an average player that doesn't really move the needle for you. So it, it's pretty troubling for, for Pacers right now. Yeah, I was I was totally like, you know, making this as like a, you know, a black, you know, a, a team to be unexpected. I thought maybe they could sneak into the second round here in the Eastern Conference and just surprise a couple people. But it's not looking very well this month for this team. I'm I'm thinking maybe Brogdon is. Yeah, I'm thinking Brogdon maybe struggling. He was out for a couple of weeks. Maybe he needs to get his legs back under him or. It's got some rotation to figure out, but Miles Turner has cooled off. Miles Turner started off pretty hot too. Um, Jeremy Lamb again <laughs> return return to the mean <laughs> regression to yep. the mean. Um, so yeah, this is rough. I hope they can shake it off, but yeah, they they're back down to a losing record 
And that is the, crazy. Against this Nets team, one of the craziest thing I saw from that game is like in the second quarter, they shot 19% from the field, four for 21 oh. as a team. That's it. No. I mean, they did come back and get it within 10 points there at the end. Yeah, but it's but... still not close. <laughs> 19%. And they ended up with 93. Which, yeah, if you end up with less than 100 points in today's NBA, you had a terrible game. Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter what happened. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see what happens with the with the Indiana Pacers. But how about the Cleveland Cavaliers five-game losing streak? Talk about a regression <laughs> to the mean. They lost Larry Nance Jr. Didn't fool me, man. Didn't yeah. fool me. It looked for a while like they were there and they were going to sneak up on us and be a top eight. Well, who knows if they we we had our doubts and our doubts were. I, I did not think that <laughs> for the record. <laughs> but five game losing streak. Uh, they're throwing everything. They got Jared Allen and Andre Drummond starting together what at the are same they time. Doing? What is this, man? What are they doing? <laughs> what is the logic? You're starting two centers in a modern NBA. Two traditional centers. Yeah, and Darius Garland oh. looked good to start the month, and then he went out, and he hasn't really come back as hot as he started. Uh, maybe he just needs to get his legs under him. So, we'll, But missing, they're missing those points, and they're missing Larry Nance of... And Colin Sexton is holding on, but at the end of the day, this team is playing, I think, like where we expected them to be is towards towards the further bottoms of the Eastern Conference. Their only glimmer of hope here is Kevin Love returning at some point this month. Yeah, that's not much of a glimmer. <laughs> <laughs> that That is a very dull light, man. I don't even know what Kevin Love... Kevin Love, uh, he's going to, in my mind, he's going to come back like Blake Griffin looks this year. Oh. Blake Griffin is so bad. Blake it's Griffin sad. has been awful. Yeah, we haven't. I don't think we've mentioned him once, uh, and like for good reason. But man, <laughs> I I feel so bad for this guy. Total irrelevance now. Yeah, totally irrelevance. I don't think he's even averaging ten points a game. Like <laughs> he's playing in some of these games like thirty plus minutes. It all goes to Jeremy Grant and Delon Wright. He's deferring to Delon Wright. This is Blake Griffin we're talking about. He's reached that point in his career, man. This is just sad. It's so sad. Yeah, I mean, at least DeAndre Jordan's out there averaging 25 minutes, but he's getting eight (laughs) rebounds, eight points. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty decent. Man, Chris Paul's at least keeping Lob City alive still. But, man, back to the Cavs. They have to trade somebody soon. Mm. It has to happen. Drummond has got to go, or they have to stick with Drummond. So when they were winning, it was when, well, for one, Garland was playing out of his mind. But then Drummond, being that all-star center that you basically got him for, and if you're not going to allow him to get his 15 rebounds a game, you're going to make him split time with Jarrett Allen in the paint? Like, what? Like what are you doing? Like, what yeah. is this? Like, this is just absurd. It makes no sense to me at all. Trade him to the Boston Celtics now. Just do it. <laughs> this needs to happen. It's going to happen. It's great for both sides. Yeah. Works out perfectly. Bring back Tristan Thompson. Have him tag along with Marcus oh, yeah, Smart over to, to Cleveland. Get, get like, I don't know, someone with at least a little potential. <laughs> like yeah. A younger guy like a, like a Carson Edwards or Grant Williams. I don't know, something. 
Yeah, no, not Grant Williams. He's a center. Don't get him. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Andre Drummond might be the the best rebounder in the league right now. In the league. And you're not leveraging him to his total strength. You're pairing him up with another strong rebounder. Yeah. Some get go get yourself a shooter. Go get yourself something. Yeah. Get, I guarantee get, what's happening is they're getting a lot of low ball offers for Drummond right now. Mm-hmm. And they're just trying to hold him. But in the meantime, they're they're just getting wrecked on the court. Yeah, maybe they're, they're they they are truly crossing their fingers that the pairing with Kevin Love will produce something. I mean, it's it seems to make sense, but it's just a matter of like what kind of player you're getting back in Kevin Love. Blake Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> we'll I'm see. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go to best performance of the week here, man. This guy gets has to get a big special oh, shout out. Man. <laughs> Kelly Oubre Jr. This is a guy yeah. that we love to trash meme. <laughs> And but uh, you know even through it all he's still a pretty decent player, but he's just something about him makes him so, uh, you know makes you want to just poke at poke fun at him. But he put together <laughs> a great performance: a fourteen for twenty one, forty points, eight rebounds in that win against the Dallas Mavericks. We're talking about the Warriors being undersized; like not a single player played that was over the height of six seven. Essentially, Luca was as tall as anybody on that <laughs> Warriors team. And they still managed to come out there and just kick their butts. And Kelly Oubre was mm-hmm. a big reason for that. Dude, yeah. Well, for one, that game was just so sad. Porzingis should have been having just the time of his life. I yeah. think he only had five rebounds that game. <laughs> like, it what was the bad. What is he doing? What is he doing? <laughs> like, this is insane. But yeah, Kelly Oubre, man. He is such a polarizing player because you see this potential. Like, there's not a lot of guys in the league that can get 40 points on any random night. Kelly Oubre is one of those guys, I guess. I didn't, I didn't know, but it is, it has happened. 40 points is tough to get to, and so it shows he has the talent. But yeah, he's just been off to a very slow start. But we have started to see him actually start. To, performing to the level that you'd want him to play at like the what you signed him for what you got super deep into the luxury tax for to stay competitive like the, like he's gonna have to be that contributing factor for this team to, to stay in the playoff hunt yeah i agree i th- i think part of it is just steph curry really putting mm-hmm. putting t- putting himself together again and looking yeah. like the best point guard in this game it's that like- leadership man it's so big yeah, he, he's just put together a huge strung of games the last two weeks as well. Damian Leonard is not looking like he's holding that top spot anymore. <laughs> Luca, we all knew it. <laughs> yeah, Luca seems to be lose going to maybe lose it to Steph Curry too. <laughs> yeah, I thought this was going to be Luca's year, man. And he's still playing all right. Yeah, not good enough though. Yeah, Jonas on the other side, the big guy, the Ooh. big guy from Memphis, the big, the big Grizzly. <laughs> 34 minutes, 8 <laughs> yeah. for 12, 27, 20 rebounds. I mean, whenever, whenever when anybody has a 20 and 20 game, that's just a monster game. That's enough oh, set. <laughs> Anything yeah. else is, it, like, crazy. <laughs> I mean, they, unfortunately, they lost this game still, <laughs> despite this monster performance. But good to see the big guy back out there after that COVID hit for him. I mean, he was, he was out three weeks, I think, with, with, a, with coronavirus. And to come back in this way is a pretty big deal. <laughs> yeah. Can't take down the Grizzly, man. 
guy. Too, too, too <laughs> much big meat. Grizzly. That, yeah. It fits him well, man, with all that, that all that facial hair, man. Dude, he's got some very impressive scruff going on. Yeah. It's talk about when the word scrappy is said, this guy comes to mind every time yes. now, right now. Josh yes. Hard, the most scrappiest Josh guy Hard. in the NBA. He's just like <laughs> just, just like a little vulture or just like a <laughs> graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> like he's 40 minutes off the picking bench. up those rebounds <laughs> yeah eight for 16 20 boards 20 points 17 rebounds one steal and two blocks in the win against the rockets this dude was just everywhere bouncing around everywhere finding rebounds oh, and just doing what he does just doing josh hart things yeah josh hart has always been a fantastic rebounding guard Mm-hmm. And it, it but it is still just crazy to see a guy he's like six what six four six five to go and and like obviously he's not like a James Harden type who yeah he's just all over the ball and he just does it for stats like Josh Hart does this for the team you know like he's out there hustling and getting these rebounds and he had 40 minutes off the bench he only <laughs> missed eight minutes of this game he had the most minutes on the team coming off the bench in this game which is just ridiculous to think about but they didn't want to take him out because he was such a big contributing factor and man, Josh Hart one day is gonna be a difference maker for a championship team. In yeah. my mind, yeah, I just think th- so. This type of yeah, this type of player. There's always a place for this type of player on a championship team. Yeah, he's totally gonna be like, yeah, like what Tony Allen was for those Celtic team in 2008, and <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, like yeah, Andre Iguodala for the Warriors, just a dude, just right? A, yeah, just a scrappy dude that just kind of comes. Like Alex Caruso, I guess, for the Lakers last year. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I yeah, I'd say Josh Hart is a better player than Alex Caruso. Um, I think so, maybe yeah. Maybe not yeah, probably not better than Andre Godal in his prime, but Josh Hart is a great player and he doesn't get a lot of the credit he deserves. Yeah. Worst performance of the week. Bradley mm. Beal, one for fourteen, Oof. seven points, three rebounds, three assists, <laughs> plus minus negative twenty five. Against the Heat. Man, the Heat have really been putting teams in bad spots yeah. now that they got the whole lineup back. Oh, yeah. No, they've been putting people in the dirt now with Jimmy Butler back. <laughs> yeah, this is a freaking heck of a defensive team. And Bradley Beal was the, was the latest victim this week. But there are other guys you can plug in as well in a loss to the Heat category. Yeah, totally. But I mean, for Beal, and this is a guy that's been on a tear this whole season. So for him to have... This outlier performance is very surprising because he's just been so consistent. But yeah, one of 14, man, that's, man, I'm glad he at least got one of them. It makes the stack line look <laughs> a lot nicer when you at least have one field goal versus zero. Yeah, zero but, for 14 is quite the quite the proportion yeah, right there. <laughs> just, just a hiccup for Beal, man. The kid's good. Not going to take anything else away from him. Yeah. What about your man, Derek White here, Sean? You, oh, your fantasy this... basketball project. <laughs> I need to stop listening to so many podcasts that rave about him. <laughs> but yeah, Derek White, 25 minutes, one of 11 shooting, still better than Beal, <laughs> but only two points, two rebounds, and three assists in a, in a, in a win over, um, I can't remember which team he was playing against because I wrote Spurs here, but he plays for the Spurs. <laughs> but he has gotten into the starting lineup for this team after being away for injury. He's had a few decent games, but he has not looked very good, especially shooting, uh, which is very indicative here in this game. And I have to think that it's only going to get better from here. 
And a lot of people think that Derek White is a very special player, maybe not like an all-star player, but he could be a very high-quality role player. And so far, I'm not seeing it. <laughs> so far, I <laughs> I've yet to see him have a game where I'm like, oh, yeah, Derek White's the truth. He's shooting <laughs> like he thinks he's the truth. That's for sure. But yeah. he hasn't done much yet. Um, I'll probably hold on to him for a little bit longer, but I don't, I don't know how much longer I can, I can hold on to the dream. Yeah. This is an interesting Spurs team that, you know, they got DeMar DeRozan, but everybody else is just kind of like up and down. One night, it seems like Keldon Johnson is, is great. Yeah. <laughs> Another night, you know, Rudy Gay is back on it. And you got Patty Mills, <laughs> Patty Devin Mills. Vassell, DeJounte Murray. Mm-hmm. You just got these random Lonnie Walker who you know really Lonnie sure. Walker just <laughs> came not, back, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not really sure who you're gonna get it from, where you're gonna get your scoring from, but somewhere the Spurs find it. Um and they're uh, a winning record right now. Yeah. Yes, and fourteen that, eleven on the season. Yeah, and that's the thing. They're they're just get they're just kind of scrapping by. They're just taking pennies in quarters from who they can on the night, <laughs> and then if they don't have it that night, then they'll take it from somebody else. But I mean that's just the Spurs, right? They just somehow find a way. <laughs> yep. <laughs> to pile to yeah, buy spurs. some wins. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, final thoughts. Closing the podcast out. Shout out to the Pacific Division. We've reached <laughs> the hype right now. Finally, after what seemed to be years that the Pacific Division have been building up to have to be one of the best in the league, it's finally here. All teams are above 500, and it looks pretty confidently. Well. Paul George is out, but it looked really confidently that we have five of the that Pacific Division is home to five of the top ten players in the world: LeBron, AD, Kawhi, Paul George, and Steph Curry working his way back in there. Um, but you know, Paul George is out, but hopefully he gets back. But man, what what a time! What a time! The Kings, Lakers, <laughs> Warriors, Suns, Clippers, all within playoff position. Or at least on the verge of it, with the with the Kings at 500 and just right there on the ends of it. But you know what a great what a great time to be on the West Coast and watching basketball. <laughs> yeah, big shout out to the Kings, man. They proved us wrong. We did count them out. I think multiple times already. <laughs> and yeah, to actually get back to I didn't even know they got back to 500. So kudos to them, man. De'Aaron Fox getting that getting that his groove on now. That that is really the difference, and I hope he can keep it up. I hope this Kings team can stay competitive. But yeah, I'm I'm loving it, man. I'm with you. Pacific Division for the win. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. Don't forget to subscribe and check us out week in and week out. Yes, sir. Have a good week, everybody.